Let's start off with prayer. God, thank you so much for this time of worship. Thank you that we get to be here. I thank you for each part, um, from the little ones dancing and running around and in total freedom and abandonment um, to the oldest and more wiser person through all walks of life. Thank you, God, that we get to be here and we get to do this together. It's all privilege. You're worthy. God, would you speak through me? Let your words sink in deep into our hearts. Whatever I say that's not of you, God, would you just make it fall away? You're too good, God. Thank you so much. Amen. I like you all. <laughs> um, I just wanted to share a little bit about what's going on in my life and um, share some scripture with you guys. Um, if you don't know me, my name's Kathy. I am part of the staff here, and I'm in charge of uh, family ministries. So that includes the children, the moms, basically any anyone and everyone, because we all are family, so it's kind of cool. Um, so thanks for letting me be here. Thanks for letting me share, although I haven't said anything yet, so... Um, you might not like what I have to say. Um, you might not be so thankful. Um, but I am, um, I'm uncomfortable. I'm super uncomfortable. I'm perplexed. I'm tired. I'm sad. Um, I lost a really good friend last week. And I was in shock at the news. Uh, we lost touch. And last we spoke was in 2015. And it was so good. It was a really beautiful interaction that we shared, the two of us. Um, we just got caught up with all of life's struggles and joys. Um, she was super amazing and super funny uh, and super compassionate. And uh, life just happened. We both got busy. We both had families. So when I found out that she had died, I, I instantly felt regret and I felt sorrow and I mourned for her and her family. Um, I've had terrible body pain and nerve pain for the last few weeks. I can't seem to get more than like three to five hours of sleep consistently every night. Um, scum has been going through a lot if you've noticed. Um, the church and the community I absolutely adore is struggling. We're few in numbers. We have no head pastor. It's just a really tough season in life right now. Um, things sound pretty bleak. But actually, in all these things, I have really great joy and hope. Um, and I would hope that if you know me, for those of you who know me, you would see these things in me. Uh, you would see light. You would see Jesus. Um, this isn't to say that I am always an example of those things. Um, but I wanted to share with you guys how, how I hold on to these truths. 
and this perspective in the midst of hard stuff. Um, so how can we, as believers, have unshakable faith in God in desperate times? How can we have unshakable faith when there's injustice? How can we have unshakable faith in the waiting? Faith is believing or having confidence in the unseen, the unknown, faith without sight. Hebrews 11.1 1 and 2 Corinthians 5.7. So to help this start, to start this conversation, because that's what it is tonight, because um, I can't possibly cover everything there is on faith. Um, but to help start this conversation and redirect our perspective, I want us all to turn to scripture. Go figure. Uh, this is how we get through anything, anything. The word of God is our truth, our gun and our holster. I keep saying that this past week. I'm like, man, I need my gun and my holster. Turn to my Bible. Readying us for anything that life throws at us. God's word never returns void, Isaiah 55:11. But for today, for our short time that we get to have with each other, I want to focus on the book of Habakkuk. Or some people say Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Um, however you pronounce it, I'm going to pronounce it Habakkuk. Or maybe I'll change it up tonight just to keep you on your toes. Um, we're going to start with Habakkuk 3, 16 through 19. And then I want to hop around a little bit through, um, through the book. There's only three chapters in Habakkuk. And I was tempted to read all three. And I might still do that. Yeah. I read, I don't know if you remember the last time I preached, but I read that whole dang chapter. I don't know. We'll see. There's few of us. We might be able to, we might be able to hang. Um, but let's start with three sixteen through 19. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Um, I'm not sure if any of you guys have ever read Habakkuk, um, but it's been really encouraging for me. It's been hope in the dark uh, for me lately. Um, at first glance, you might be thinking, wow, that is some faith. I mean, he's talking about all these hard things, right? And yet I will be patient. Yet I will rejoice. You might be thinking, okay, just another prophet from the Bible, someone I can't measure up to. Uh, we always think of these spiritual giants in Scripture or even in our personal lives. We think, man, so-and-so is just so steadfast or so good. 
I can't be like them. But, oh, man, do we sell ourselves short and others, right? We only compare ourselves to the Pinterest or Instagram versions um, of people. We take a snapshot of someone else's life and compare all of our worst to someone else's seemingly best. We do this with scripture too. We take these verses and either have these standalone mantras to live by or unrealistic expectations and standards to fail by. So we got to take a step back and look at the context, the bigger picture. So I'm going to try, if you'll let me, to attempt that tonight, um, to look at the bigger picture. And of course, we too only are looking at mere verses, you know, a part of the whole. Um, So I encourage you to read all three chapters, unless I really get a pep in my step and want to read it tonight. But I encourage you guys to read it on your own. Um, And I have three encouragements that I want to share with you guys tonight. So as we read through, be listening for those encouragements. They've helped me greatly, and I think they'll help you too. So Habakkuk must be this holier-than-thou kind of guy, right? We read that like what perspective that is. He's got to be like the best dude ever, right? Or at least that's the way it appears in these three verses. Um, So let's take a step back and look at chapter 1. Again, only verses, but it, it will give us a picture. Verse 2 and 3. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Kind of sounds like one of my prayers, actually. Uh, Maybe we're not so different after all, Habakkuk and I. Um, He has quite a different tone in this passage. I don't know if you picked up on it. Um, I like to be a little theatrical when I read, but um, I won't instill my tone into this. But just reading it as it is, you can tell that it's quite different from chapter 3. He even says... um, God, are you even listening? (laughs) Like, are you even listening to me? He's lamenting. He's complaining to God in this passage. And I love this passage because we get to see him so real and raw. We get to see authenticity. Which brings me to my first encouragement for you all. How can we have unshakable faith in desperate times or unjust times? Be authentic. Be yourself. God already knows you at your core. So don't try to hide. Just be real with God. Let your requests be known. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. We see this kind of Uh, real authenticity throughout scripture yet we compare ourselves to these spiritual giants we and we think 
we can't we can't live up but we see this this real raw kind of faith we see it with david the psalms are riddled with him being totally transparent with god and yet still choosing to believe in god's word and his goodness so what happens next with habakkuk did he just complain and then automatically orient and posture himself with this this worshipful stance this worship god in the midst of pain kind of stance Shall we read it? He didn't. He didn't. After hearing God's response and Habakkuk complaining some more, he decides to wait. He chooses into waiting. So in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what God will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. So he had this incredible response. He not only chose to wait on God's reply, but he had this trust that God would indeed reply. So that brings me to my second encouragement. How can we have unshakable faith in the waiting? We trust. We station ourselves there. Like a child who blindly trusts their parents to feed them. Not wondering where the food or money to pay for the food even comes from. They just say, Mom, Dad, I'm hungry. Or if you're like Zebediah, my son, you say, Mom, I'm so hungry. Every single time. Every single I'm so hungry. I'm so thirsty he's so hungry (laughs) so thirsty every single time and of course my sweet little skinny boy i want to feed him i want to feed him i keep telling aaron i'm like can we just like have more children so and just like put them all in football and then all their football friends will come over and i could just feed them all and feel so good about myself can we just do that and he says let's get through potty training first one step at a time But he says that, and of course, you know, I'm delighted to do that. Except for when he asks me when I'm, um, say, using the toilet. It is so, it's like utter torture for Zeb to wait (laughs) for me to get up and give him something to eat. But he does, and he trusts me that I will, because I've done it time and time and time again. So we've built that trust. It's taken four years so far to build up that trust. Um, Maddie, I'm still working on. She doesn't always trust me, but uh, we start over every day. You know, it's a new day every day with her, but she does. She's learning to trust. So Habakkuk trusted God to respond. It doesn't say how long he had to wait for God's response. But it seems like he anticipated some kind of wait. Um, So he stationed himself, expectantly waiting for God's response. So in the waiting season, we trust. We trust God will come through. Trust he has a plan. Um, You all know, maybe you know, the story of Abraham and Sarah. It's a popular story. We hear it a lot in Sunday school. I'm a Sunday school teacher, so 
I tend to gravitate towards these kinds of stories, but they speak so much louder to me than just the the standard Sunday school lesson. Abraham and Sarah never physically saw their descendants as numerous as the stars. At one point, they didn't even think they would have one. But God gave them Isaac in their 90s. They were in their 90s, and they had a child. It was just a glimpse, just the glimpse and the hope they needed. They didn't have to see all of their descendants. They just needed to see that one. But they did have to wait for that one. They even tried to make it happen on their own. Sarah was like, yo, Abraham, have a child with my servant. Just do this. Get it over with. I'm fine. But God had a plan. And his plan remained. His faithfulness remained. Don't just take my word for it, okay? I'm not just going to let you all get off on the Sunday school answer. Jesus. It's my favorite answer. I will say it every time. Um, But look it up. Look it up. Read Hebrews 11. If you're you're really like, I can't get through this. Hebrews 11 is like the faith chapter in scripture. Has so many true story after true story after true story of man, it was worth the wait of what faith looks like. And if you're still like, I can't even imagine my life compared to these, again, spiritual giants in scripture. First, let me tell you, stop comparing yourself. Okay? But... If you need more evidence, more pep in your step, more encouragement to keep moving forward, or just even rest in the waiting, talk to anyone on staff here at SCUM, or anyone who's been a longtime believer of Christ. I guarantee they have a testimony of it was worth the wait. Trust God in the waiting. What if you get an answer you weren't counting on, though? What if you get what seems like the opposite answer from God of what you were praying for or hoping for? What if that healing doesn't happen how you want? What if you don't get that job you were looking for, dreaming of? What if that relationship doesn't work out? Well, let's see what happened to Habakkuk. What was God's first response? Chapter 1, verse 5 through 6. For I am going to do something in your days that you you wouldn't believe even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians. The Babylonians, I don't know if you guys know anything about them, but they were Israel's enemy. They were... Um, ruthless. (laughs) So, wait, wait, wait. You're telling me that God is choosing to raise up this ruthless people against his people? Habakkuk's probably like, that doesn't make sense. (laughs) That doesn't make sense. Why? Why would you do that to us? So God responds again, after Habakkuk chooses to wait. And then in chapter 2, verse 8, 
God says, because you have plundered many nations, the people who are left will plunder you. Because you have shed human blood, you have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Almost knocked the mic. Dropped the mic. Uh, Okay. So there's a consequence here. It's, it seems like bigger picture is they're not so faultless, right? The Israelites, they, they like killed people and <laughs> plundered and stole from them. And so there's a consequence for that. All the crap the kings and people before Habakkuk did to the surrounding nations, all of that crap, there is now something happening because of that. Okay, but that wasn't Habakkuk. That wasn't his fault personally, right? Why does he have to suffer for other people's mistakes? God says in chapter 2, verse 4, just a few verses before, he says, See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous will live by his faithfulness to God. And then the Greek version reads, I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But the righteous person will be, will, by my faith. So if our dear friend Habakkuk chooses to live by faith and cling to the one who created him, he will see and experience God's faithfulness and goodness. God knows exactly what he's doing. Martin Luther King Jr. said, Take the first step in faith. You don't have to see the whole staircase. Just the first step. We don't have to see the whole staircase because God sees the whole staircase. Maybe this isn't enough for you. You're saying, you don't get it, Kathy. Literally, I pray for one thing and the opposite happens. Well, let's see what Habakkuk says next. Chapter 3, verse 2. I have heard about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. Let's say in this season of your life, you just can't imagine having this posture of worship towards God. It's too hard. Maybe you struggle being authentic with yourself, with others, with God. Maybe you struggle trusting God. And if that's true, here's my third encouragement for you. When all else seems to fade, or your faith, in fact, seems shaky, remember. I want you to remember. Remember the times that God has shown up. Remember those long-awaited prayers answered in your favor. Remember those long-awaited prayers answered contrary to what you were asking for, but was better than you could have ever imagined on your own. Remember each comfort, 
each friend, each provision, each gift, each hug. Remember God's goodness. Even when you can't see the whole staircase, believe each step is illuminated and ready for you when you need it. So for me, when I'm struggling with the kind of things I mentioned at the beginning, I like to look at James chapter 1, 2 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. We have everything we need, and we're right where we need to be. Jesus is worthy. He made all of this possible. He loves you so much. He holds you. He holds each tear. He has his best for you. For us who believe, it's not by sight, but by faith. If you find yourself not believing, but wanting to believe... I think that's a great place to be, too. You just tell God you want to believe, and he is faithful to increase your faith for you. All you got to do is ask. We're going to enter a time of communion, which I think is a perfect place to remember who God is and who we are, which is his. So if you're in relationship with him, I want you to come and partake. Um, and if you're not in relationship with him and you want to be all you have to do is ask but I want us to be available to help you with that if you need help and then you'll get to be in this beautiful family of God (laughs) with a holy communion with the one who knows you best Jesus gave his life for us The bread represents his body that is broken for us and his blood that was shed for us. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to enter into communion with you. Not just the religious act or um, something that just has become tradition but into a holy communion with you, into relationship with you. Thank you that we have this opportunity to worship you in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of hard times, desperate times, when things are unjust. Thank you for what you've done and yet to do.